go, man. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man. Bonus, Rusty. What is up, everyone? It is Thursday because there is an episode of When the Gloves Come Off podcast live recording on Rumble later on today at 2 p.m. Eastern. So that means it's Thursday. So welcome, everybody, to the Public Access Podcast, the podcast. If I live in Pennsylvania, it could be the Papa Podcast. <laughs> Shit. Um, you guys, thank you so much for being here uh, on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network. QGBN. Check out other shows on the network. There's a bunch of them. Also check out SockEmUp.org. S-O-C-K-E-M-U-P dot O-R-G. People Need Socks. It's the most requested item that people in need need as far as clothing goes but it is the least delivered upon so help some people out get them some socks and so today i'm gonna bring on my special guest and my special guest right here and right now is dr lauren petria and Dr. Lauren Petria, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? Pretty great. I didn't smack my desk. I've had this habit of smacking my desk whenever I, I've said that, but uh, I didn't do it today. So I, I feel good about that. I, I realized that it's something I shouldn't be doing. I shouldn't be smacking the desk. Uh, not hard or anything too weird, but I, I always feel like I, I smack it then and then it shakes the camera, so whoever's watching gets a little, a little shake. It doesn't pick up on the audio, but I've noticed it picks up on the, on the video portion. But, I, you know, you, you do enough. A lot of trial and error with this kind of stuff, and right. yeah, been plenty of, of that. And I don't even know how many shows there's been or how many episodes there's been of these other ones and. It's a lot. So I've had a lot of time to kind of pick up things. And it's one of those things, too. Do you so do you um, do public talks or things of that nature often or? Um, so I am currently an executive director in a school district. And um, I also um, I do leadership coaching. Um, and so sometimes I go to different universities and I teach classes on leading with values or habits. Um, and then I also teach um, different university classes for uh, teacher candidates that are interested in becoming a teacher or uh, future principals, um, going over what it's like to be a principal in schools nowadays. So. Okay, so what what I was getting at was, so do you record yourself when you do these talks, and do you watch them back, or do you 
uh, or for people who, because I assume, you know, a lot of teaching is, you know, being able to talk in front of groups. Uh, I had a, a short, short stint in it, but I, I assume that, I don't know, because there's a lot of, if people can watch themselves talking, you know, like, I don't always like watching myself back or listening to myself back, but I know it's something that I need to do to be able to, you know, better, better myself, pick out, you know, small nuances that maybe the audience might not pick up on. Maybe they would, but more that I would pick up on. And some of it, I feel like the audience might not even notice. And I don't know if that's the same for a lot of people, but, you know, there's so much stuff with any sort of performance when nobody knows that you're messing up until you make a big deal out of it in the middle of it, if it happens, or, you know, you acknowledge it. A lot of people probably wouldn't even notice 95% of the time of what what's happening as long as you're able to cover it is that something you work yes. with or I think you're critical of yourself more than others I have seen myself on you know tv I had my own radio show when I was a kid so radio show about so in San Francisco it was am 1400 on Sundays for two hours it's a live radio show and it was kids show so you talk about you know, museums or different books or um, what's going on in schools and kids fashion. And it was for elementary and middle school kids. And um, I hated listening to myself um, because I would fumble words or I feel like I wasn't as articulate as I should be. I've also done commercial uh, radio voices for different commercials uh, when I was younger. Um, but that's easier because you can keep doing it over and over again until it's perfect. Right. Um, I was on ABC 2020 for uh, an episode called The Greatest Gift. And it was based on what I did with my students as a teacher. And, and when it aired, um, it was during Christmas time. And ABC 2020 did a story on people doing amazing things in the community. And I was one that was featured because I was having my students do community service to raise money for Title I schools. It's something I've been doing forever. And somehow ABC 2020 found out and they did a story and I watched myself on TV and I felt so unattractive. I was like, oh my gosh, this is how I look like. And I was just so embarrassed. But now looking back, I'm like, gosh, like, because I was young, this is a yeah. long time ago. And I'm like, why did I not embrace that? And I think that, yes, like, I think we're very critical of ourselves. Yeah. And so then going back to that, that show when you were a kid, what was the name of that show? Do you remember what uh, it was called? So it's uh it was a Korean English bilingual show and it okay. was called Orini Kungbu. And it's about, it's saying like studying for the kids. Um, It was in an ad. My mom used to get this Korean newspaper in California and there was an ad about auditioning. And so my mom said, hey, do you want to audition? Because I used to, when I lived in Korea, I used to take acting classes and uh, I was never on anything, but it was just something fun that I liked doing. And I think public speaking is so important. Um, and so I auditioned, got the leading role 
it actually won an award in Korea too. And uh, I actually had my brother on the show because he would watch my mom and I always like, you know, I'm practicing because I get the script and I go to the radio show and I'm recording and my brother was like interested. And so I gave him a small part. So that was cool to have your brother be part of your show. Yeah. And so what what kind of play was that? What was that about? From what? That you said you did a play there in Korea? Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, oh, no, it was a class. I, I was never oh, on class. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was just taking these uh, acting classes and uh, it was just for fun. I, I wanted to practice public speaking and, and, and being able to be comfortable in front of people. Um, and so it's something I enjoy doing. I never was on anything in Korea. Um, and then my family immigrated to the United States when I was 10. And then I was on the radio show from 11 to 12. And then I actually quit the radio show because we lived in Davis, California, and the commute was long. And yeah, that's it was every a, weekend. That's a big commute right there for a kid. Uh, yeah. And my mom just couldn't do it. And she was just like, but it was really fun because you get free things. So I remember we got free amusement park tickets for Six Flags because oh. you have different sponsors. Um, you get clothes. I mean, you get cool stuff. And so that was really fun because as a kid, you know, you're getting things and um, you get to go to cool events and speak. And yeah. So the, the Six Flags was that that wasn't the. I'm trying to think of where that was. Where's the Six Flags right there? Is that? It was in Vallejo. And in I Vallejo? don't know if it's okay. still there, but it's in Vallejo at the time. And yeah, I, I would get free tickets and I get to go with my brother and my mom and my cousin and little perks of, you know, being on something because people want to give you things, right? Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind that right now. Uh... <laughs> Do you get anything for having your own podcast? I get things for sometimes for the podcast and sometimes for some other things, but you know, uh, I, I do have a pass for six flags, uh, right now. <laughs> I, I got it. I think in maybe in August, maybe in July. And I ended up going, uh, quite a bit, but, um, yeah, you know, that's what you can do when, when you're, when you're in your forties and it's, Yes. You don't do it before, but um, so yeah, this would have been before the the park was open in north of in Santa Clara, I think is where it is the the Great America. Yeah, this Great would have America. Been well before yeah. then, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I that was a was a cool spot. I went there in like thirty years ago, I guess. Um, yeah. So it's it's been a little little while ago, but. I went there when uh, my brother was going to school down there. And so I went down there and did the great America. But um, so then you, you went in like without, you know, within a year of you moving from Korea to California and get right into a radio. Just, yeah. I mean, was it something that you just were, you know, the uh, opportunity came up or what happened? How did that? I um... auditioned for it and I didn't oh. think I would get it. Like it was, a, there was an ad and I auditioned for it and it kind of just, you know, once you do something like doors open up, it was just reading about a guy. He 
he went to a friend's, uh, he went to a birthday party for kids. He didn't want to go. And then because of that, he met one of the LinkedIn founders and he got into the company and now, you know, he has so much money, but he was not like that, you know, then. And so kind of like opportunities happen in my life where, you know, audition, got the show, then got an award, um, did a couple of radio commercials. So that was really fun and great experience. Um, and then other things have happened in my life. Like one of my girlfriend recommended me to attend this, you know, leadership Institute and it was for my sorority and I went, and then now I'm part of the team. So during the conference, there were facilitators taking notes and I could see that they kept marking something next to my name. And I was wondering, why are you keep marking something next to my name? And then at the end of the session, I went to the speaker and I said, you know, I noticed that you keep writing something next to my name. Did I do something wrong? And she said, no, no, no. We love you so much that we want you to join the team. So I got a phone call a couple of weeks later, and now I'm part of this, you know, leadership team of Chi Omega. It's a national team. And I get to fly into Memphis every other year for training. Um, and I am going to different colleges and providing leadership talk. And I get to travel with like amazing, amazing female leaders in the industries. And I don't think that would ever happen if I didn't go to this conference as an attendee. So I just feel like my whole philosophy in life is when you're invited to something, say yes, um, if you're able to do so, even if you're tired and even if it's not your favorite thing, because one, you're going to meet people. And I think being successful in life is networking and other is learning. So I love learning about people and I love learning about different things. And you go and, you know, try different kinds of food and try different hobbies and and really just take it all in. And so what do you think about some of these things where I'm seeing this a lot more and this is something I don't do. I've thought about doing it, but it's always been something that I've said no to. Um, there's a, I've seen a lot of, what would they be called? Like uh where you get a bunch of speakers together, like a summit of some sort, and um, you know, you get ten like speakers. Off? Well, like, um, let's say there's a like a presentation and a big conference, like a big conference, and for you know, kids on the radio or okay. something. But uh, they would. I've been seeing a lot of having the speakers pay to be on these things. Yeah. Have you seen stuff like that? Yeah. When, so I actually write proposals for different conferences. And in the day I was told that when you get selected, the organization pays for your hotel and for you to attend. But now there's so many people that want to speak. So you do have to pay for your way until you become the keynote speaker. So right. if you are the keynote speaker, then they'll pay for your time and all of that. But here's another philosophy. So one of my girlfriends, she's a superintendent now, and she, the, the district was not investing in her. 
And so she would pay for herself to attend these conferences and she would pay out of pocket to go to different events. Because usually when you're an administrator in a school district, the district will pay for you to go to things because you're going to go learn and bring it back. But right. this particular individual was not the favorite. And but she and I have a great relationship. And she said this to me. She said, you have to invest in yourself. If no one wants to invest in you, you have to invest in yourself. So yep. she's now a superintendent because she invested in herself. And she said, you know, people don't get jobs, right, based on your ability. You get jobs based on networking. So when you go to these places and you speak, you're going to meet people. You're going to meet people that may want to give you other opportunities. So, yes, I do uh, write proposals and I do go to these conferences and I do pay for my own um, because I'm not a keynote speaker yet, but maybe one day um, I will be paid to go speak at different events. Yeah, because I mean, I see that uh, it happens in uh, with like with comedy in New York that, that happens is something that they, they a lot of places do. You have to, you know, pay to get stage time, yes. which is yeah, kind of wild. And uh, but like you're saying, you know, someone is networking and being at the place and and you have to keep know. trying right if that's your goal i mean if the end up goal is you want to be a famous comedian then you know you got to start somehow right if your end right. goal is to be a famous speaker consultant you know you have to start somehow and yes i do think that you have to keep trying and applying and put yourself out there and it's hard. Like, I remember when I was a teacher and different opportunities came to me because I was somebody that always wanted to learn. And so I would spend my weekends taking classes or participate in a book study or go to all the professional development. And so then you're hanging out with all these school leaders and they're like, you should try and be a summer school assistant principal. You should be the master teacher. You should do this. And then when I was ready to become an assistant principal and I have my principal license, I kept applying and I kept getting rejected and I would practice myself. Like I would talk and answer questions. I would write down possible interview questions and I am like meditating and putting positive thoughts out there and saying, you can do it. You can do it. And I think I interviewed all June and July and I was rejected to almost every district except for one. And only reason I didn't say yes to that district, even though I wanted to, was because it was not a safe area and it was a high school assistant principal position. And my husband drove out there and he said, I don't feel comfortable you working here. Like, I just don't think that at night when you get in the car, like, I don't think this is the area that, you know, I just don't feel comfortable. And so I kept interviewing. And then in August, I finally got the dream job. I was a middle school assistant principal. And what I've learned from that experience is one, you always have to be yourself because people go to interviews and I think they portray themselves to be a certain way because you want the job, but you also have to be a right fit. And if you're authentic and you're being yourself and they can see you for you and see, okay, are you going to be the right fit with the team? that's going to be better. And then two is you have to keep trying. I mean, you look at famous celebrities and you look at politicians and you look at athletes, they were rejected so many times. And the difference between people who make it and people who don't, I mean, there are different factors, right? Some people have 
powerful families that can give you the network. You may have the extra resources that some people don't have. But I think in the end, it's grit and perseverance, right? If you keep pushing through, then you're going to make it. Yeah. And I think that's important for a lot of people to know that part. And, you know, you can't, I mean, so many people now with the instant gratification of the society that I'm going to, you know, start a TikTok channel and I want to be TikTok famous in in a week or something. And if I don't get that, I said, I'm done. And uh, I think that's, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's obviously unrealistic. It could happen, but I think there's just a lot that is kind of lost there. And there, that determination of going and going and going and perseverance is maybe not guided the same way or what uh, I guess the next question I was going to ask was what part are you or what part of the country are you in right now where you're um... I'm in Houston Texas now but I would say I am truly a Californian I've been in California for 30 years um, but now I'm in Houston, Texas, and it's not because so many people move to Texas because they can't afford a house in California. That is not true. I own my house. I had a great career in California. Um, I moved to Houston, Texas, because during COVID, um, my husband's company, he works for United Airlines, and they um, laid off a lot of people and moved people around. And the company also required everyone to be vaccinated. And a lot of people also retired because they're saying, you can't force me to do that. And um, we got the letter from the company saying that my husband has to move or he's going to lose his job. And one of the places that we can move to was Houston, Texas. Okay. Not Chicago. And Chicago was the other option too. And he didn't want to go there because it's cold. I love Chicago, but my husband said, you don't want to live there during winter. He said, you don't want to be shoveling snow. He said, warm weather is better. And so we don't have any family here. We don't have friends here. We just picked the place and moved to Houston. And that was two and a half years ago. And we actually love it. And so what's... uh... The school district, uh, or not school district, but the the school system, like, because I also, I think that the, I forgot what the name of it, the the place that makes the, all the textbooks is based in Houston or very close to Houston. I don't know, because I'm not on the curriculum side anymore. So I'm in human resources side. So I don't do, um, I don't really work with textbook companies. I do more of like hiring, retaining, and sometimes terminating employees. Um, But the school system, it's culturally so different. So in California, I was the young mom. And anytime I am out with my son's, you know, other mom friends or events, I was like young. Um, I got married at 26, had my son at 28. In Texas, I'm the old mom. And so in California, a lot of the moms go to grad school and have a career. Right. In Texas, 
almost all of my mom friends around here stay home moms and they got married right after college. Texas is very religious. A lot of the social events are around church. In California, I didn't have any friends that went to these social events through church. Texas is huge football. My son plays football now and he was not into football, but when your friends are all playing football and in Texas, you have to say yes, ma'am and yes, sir at school. In California, when you say yes, ma'am, people are offended because you're saying that that person's old. So he's never said yes, ma'am and yes, sir, until he came to Texas. And the first week he went to school here, he was a fourth grader. And he came home and he said, mom, I got in trouble. And I said, why? And he said, I answered a teacher's question. And I said, no. And the teacher said, it's no, ma'am. And he thought he was in trouble. And I said, no, 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 you're not in trouble. She's just correcting you. And we have to practice saying that. But that culturally was hard for him. The other thing is California is definitely more project-based learning where kids move around a lot. Texas is very traditional learning where kids have to sit and listen to the teacher. And so how has that been different for you as far as, you know, having to work with different teaching styles uh, and different teachers with different teaching styles and then having to hire them based on something or fire them based on something? Is that sometimes the... Or, you know, like, hey, maybe you'd be better teaching elsewhere, not here in this kind of curriculum. Is that something that goes on with that? Or is that, you know, not Yeah, really, so one of the things that I think is very different in Texas is authority matters very much in a school system. So in Texas, there's really no teacher's union. And so administrators have oh. a lot of power. And in Texas, your position matters very much. So if you're high up, you have people that just support you and take care of you. So an example is, I don't ever ask my secretary to microwave my food, grab me tea or coffee. That's personal. I ask my secretary to, you know, create an appointment or, you know, make these packets for a meeting, or I need you to, you know, call these people and, you know, do these things. But I have never used my executive assistant for anything personal, like go pick up my prescription drugs or go pick up my kid and stuff. Right. I see that in my work. I see people that are very, I'm in charge because of my title. I don't think leadership is based on your position or title. You can be a leader as a student. You can be a leader as a custodian. I think leadership is being able to get people to do something that's good for the organization. Um, in California, it's very leveled. Teachers union is very strong. It's sixth strongest union in the country. Um, wow. Principals serve the teachers. Principals their role is to be a servant leader. So as a principal in California, I am wiping down tables. I'm setting up food for my staff. I'm doing meetings. I'm taking their classes. I'm helping them at yard duty. I'm working in the parking lot. A lot of the principals here, I feel like have sometimes too much authority. And when you have a lot of power, I think your real personality comes out either 
you're still really kind and respectful or sometimes it gets to your head and I think that yes for sure and so I sometimes deal with grievances where teachers feel that they were very disrespected by their bosses Um, sometimes I deal with grievances where parents felt that the administration was very rude to them um And so I try to come up with resolutions, but the other thing I do is train them so that they understand these are things that could happen by being proactive and making sure people understand customer service matters and how you treat people matter. Um, And you're representing not just yourself, but the organization. Um, My son struggled a little bit when he first started going to school here because Texas is very traditional and teachers want kids to just sit and listen. Whereas California teachers are more like friend and a director. They're there kind of with you, playing with you. Um, they're learning with you. And so that transition was a little bit hard for him, but I see good in both. I think it's very important to teach children to be respectful and to you know listen. But I also think it's very important for students to be creative and and feel empowered to speak up and i think a mix of two would be the best so where are you with kids who are not into the because i mean even i think i grew up outside of portland um oregon and uh i mean i was not someone who did you know felt like school was right for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I did pretty well for a while until like when I was, you know, up through grade school, I did pretty well. And then after that, then it was just nothing really interests me. And like, I felt like I was able to learn other ways. I probably should have gone to some alternative school or something, but um where what do you do when when you have that kind of uh, not con conflict? I don't know if is the right word, but kind of um, opportunity or kind of uh, whatever whatever you would call it, kind of uh, situation that's happening with that is is that something that happens where you know you got maybe parents who think you know, what, what's wrong or, you know, cause I'm like, you're saying with customer service, I mean, you, I'm sure there's parents in the throughout everywhere you've been who, you know, find you as um, an easy scapegoat and having to be, you having to be diplomatic to them. And I commend you for that so much for being able to do that. Um, and I mean, so, I mean, what, what do you do if you have a kid who's just not, doesn't feel like they're in the right place. Um, yeah. How's that work? So I was a school administrator, principal, and AP for eight years. And I've had students that really couldn't function in a traditional school setting. And for different reasons, you know, I had students that had special needs. I had students that did not fit socially. I had students that were abused. I had students that just did not care about school. And so my number one is I want to get to know the kid. 
you know, mm-hmm. and, and what I did was I would just kind of spend time with them. So if, if a kid is sitting on grass and refuses to go back to class, I would just sit next to him. I don't want to look at him. I don't want to talk to him unless he wants to talk to me. But the plan is just to let him know that I'm here for you. And I just want to make sure you're safe. And, and then the kid starts opening up about things like, you know, math is hard or, you know, I hate school because my teacher is mean or whatever the student says. And then I asked the child, like, what do you think would make the school experience better? And this is a fine line because sometimes I bond with these kids so much that they want to be with me. So they use me as a way to get out of class. So the goal was to not make my office Disneyland. The goal is to make the classroom Disneyland because no matter what, my role is to make sure that the students could read and write and do math at their grade level. That's my goal. And of course, for them to be safe in a learning environment, make friends, have a positive experience. But I also think it's important to give options to these kids. So yes, we should have alternative school. You should have a career and technical school because not everyone has to go to college. I don't believe in that. I think if you want to be a hairstylist, go do that. If you want to have your own podcast, go do that. If you want to you know, volunteer, go volunteer. If you want to be an artist, be an artist, whatever you want to do. And But in elementary school and middle school, you have to know the basic you know, education, right? You need to know how to read, how to write, how to speak, how to solve math and those things. And, and that's what I did. And I remember I was a principal in this one school and I spent a lot of time with this kid and this kid was hard. He would even pick up dog poo and throw it at us, me and my assistant principal. And he would always run out uh, off campus and we have to go, but we can't touch him, right? Because legally we can't touch him. So you just have to follow him and he would run out of class and he would go across the street and and he would go. And then I get a call or radio saying so-and-so, you know, bolted. And then I have to put my tennis shoes on and I have to go find him and follow him. And you follow him sometimes two, three hours. And when he sees dog poo, he'll pick it up and he'll throw it at you. And, And you go and you spend so much time. But the thing is, he loves you and he's not doing this to hurt you. He's just having a hard time dealing with his emotions, but the parents are always hard. They get in your face. They yell at you. They say a lot of mean things to you. And um, you don't feel appreciated by those parents when literally all my days are spent on this child. And then now I have to stay up late at night, catching up on work. And sometimes he would come into your office and destroy your office. He's hurt my office staff too. They've been to the hospital because he slammed door and they had their hand and they had broken fingers, stuff like that. And what was interesting was after three years of being here, I had an amazing opportunity to go to a different school district. And this is the district you want to go to. So this is like the White House of California school district, right? And I had this opportunity to go and be a principal there. And I took the job and I found out that the next principal that took the job, he talked about me every single day and said, I want, you know, Miss Petria and I don't want you. And that principal reached out to me and said, I've been trying to, you know, be a buddy with this kid for six months and it's not working. Can you please tell me what you did? 
And so that was nice to know that, you know, you made a difference. I felt bad that I took on another opportunity. Um, but sometimes opportunities come and you have to take it. Absolutely. And so did you have then the, these kids that, uh, like in Oregon right now, they yeah. have this thing. I, I don't know if you, you saw this part, but so what you don't have to, in high school, you don't have to be proficient in reading, writing, or math to be able to advance a grade. Which they're is trying to get them out. Trying to get them out and keep the numbers up. And that way there's less, you know, numbers of people not graduating or or that. Uh, it's it's sad. It, it just even now when I get emails from people or when I'm like with other parents. And it's shocking to me how many parents can't write complete sentences and they're unable to communicate well. Our educational system is broken because we have failed. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I went from a middle school administrator to elementary, because by middle school, it's already too late. The best way to help kids is early intervention and really like target when they're young, young, right? Pre-K, kinder, first grade. And so when I was an elementary school principal, I pulled all my resources to really help the younger kids, because if they're not reading at grade level by second grade, they will fail. And I always tell this to parents, if parents are listening to, if you have listeners that are like, okay, whenever I have meetings with parents, I always say, if I want to be a really great soccer player, I can watch YouTube video of people playing soccer. I can read a book about soccer players. I can read a biography. I can read a playbook, all of that. But the best way for me to become a better soccer player is for me to play soccer. I need Absolutely. to go play soccer. So I yeah. always tell parents, if you want your kid to be a better reader, they have to read. If you want your kid to be a better athlete, they have to practice. If you want your kid to be a better mathematician, they have to do that. And it's really that simple. And if you do 10 minutes a day, every day, just a little extra, you're going to make a huge progress. So an example is, you know, because one, I'm an educational researcher, right? I, I have a doctorate in education. This is what I do for a living. This is my 21st year in education. And when I, um, with my own son, since he was little, I would help him with everything. And by the way, he's peeking in and I think it's because of the weather is bad, huh? Yeah, and you need a... My son, because I don't know if you could hear, but there's like thunder and rain right now. And so he came in and he's like, are you going to take me to school? Yes, I will. I'll take you to school. Okay. Get ready for school. So anyways, but one of the things that I have implemented at home is he has things he has to do. And, and I have parents that are like, I tell my kid to do it and he doesn't do it. How do you get your kid to do it? My kid's like, I want to be on my phone. I want to hang out with friends because I do it. So when I tell him to read, I read. When I tell him to clean, I clean. Because you can keep telling people what to do, but the best way is modeling it. So there are so many kids that are mean to other kids. There's so many kids that are saying mean things in a text. I model it. So I model kindness when I'm out and about, like my husband and I, when we're out and about, 
and we're out with the group of people. We're the ones that are ordering appetizers or we're getting there early to reserve a table. You know, we invite people and we make homemade dinner and we sit as family. And I'm always modeling to my son, this is what you do. I'm very close to my mom and dad and I respect them so much and I don't ever talk back and I model it. This is how you have to be with your parents. And, you know, he knows that. And I'm not the person that's like, go to your room and read while I'm on TV watching TV. I'm not telling him we're going to have family dinner and then you're on your phone texting someone else. So with our family, I say, put all your devices away. We're sitting down together. Um, you know, when we go on trips, I love going to national parks because they don't have really good Wi-Fi's. So when we were at Yellowstone National Park, my son gave up because it just the Wi-Fi was impossible. Right. And it was so amazing because when we were hiking, we talked three hours together. He told me all about what's going on in his life. I love drive driving him to practice because that's alone time with me and him. And so and I think that when you model that and when you're able to help your kids and set structure they'll do it. And I think it's not really hard. Like it's like that nanny 911 where yeah. kids are having tantrum and then they bring a nanny and nanny's like, you have to keep doing it. It's, I mean, it's a lot of work in the beginning, but then once you have it, then it's much better. Yeah. And absolutely. And I mean, I, the part with the phone and just, you know, like, yeah, mom, mom and dad are sitting there on the phone Go, go do your homework. And they're scrolling through Facebook, playing Farmville or whatever, you know, kind of a thing. And, you know, then the kids just be like, okay, well, I can go and just play on my phone. Well, if you, that's what you're doing and you're, you seem to be doing all right. Um, right. You know what? You have to model it. Right. You have to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why parenting is so, it's the hardest job. Parenting is harder and, and I'm not perfect. There was a moment one time I was at Costco and then my son was having a tantrum and I saw a bunch of parents from my school walking by. I was so embarrassed because I have moments too. I mean, there are moments when he's not going to listen. There are moments when he's going to talk back. He's 13. He's a teenager. He rolls his eyes at me now. And I'm like, excuse yeah. me, come back. <laughs> so I am not perfect, but I do think that there are things I have in place where he is able to do all his homework. You know, he understands, you know, expectations and the, the kindness is a big thing for me. Um, and I'm really proud of him when he's on the field playing soccer and sometimes kids say mean things to other players sure. or they say it to their teammates. They're like, Oh, you messed that up. Or, and I love when my son says, it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. And so I'm like, oh, I did a good job. Yeah, just just a game. It's not yeah. the end of the world. This is not the World Cup. This is not, no right. one's losing money on this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that, then one other thing I was wondering about. So like, in, uh, is there much, uh, like, okay, so like in, in Japan with, with the students, they, also do a lot of the work that uh, a custodian would do as well. And, and is yes, that- Yes, you have to clean, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, do you think that could be something like there with kind of that disconnect of someone else is gonna do this work? Is that something like, 
that you think would be a good thing for kids to have, or do you think it'd be better for them to, you know, keep it as it is where it is a job for somebody, but it's also, you know, that it's not their, their job to, you know, take care of their own messes um, or cook, help cook their own food or, yeah. I think having responsibilities is a good thing. So I went to school in Korea. And when I was in Korea, every day after school, like the first five kids, a so one, two, three, four, five would have to stay. And then we have to sweep the floor and clean up. Then the oh. next would be like six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And so we had a rotation and all of us had a number. And one, when you are expected to clean up, you're going to not get messy right? Because you have to do it. Yep. And I think that so the, the school district I was talking to you about, that was like the White House. So the people that lived in this area, so like Steve Jobs had a house there, Michelle Pfeiffer had a house there. So my parents were so one of my parents was Nick Woodman GoPro. He was also uh -huh. on Shark Tank season six. Um, one of the Golden State Warriors owners, um, the Bowman family. So we had parents like that and one of the thing I noticed was that these kids all had nannies and bell rings and all these nannies would come and like pack their stuff and oh. and there was a family so wealthy that each kid I mean almost all of them are just out of control rich I mean but they all had their own nanny and they also all had their private drivers so it was just fascinating because kids had, you know, tennis or golf or dance and, you know, the driver comes and the nanny gets the snack and all that and then goes and then the nanny follows and make sure the kid has the uniform and all of that. And I mean, we had parents that had a morning nanny and evening nanny, and then they would travel with multiple nannies when they travel because they want to make sure that there's some time for them to enjoy and kids have someone with them consistently, all of this. And I was not going to send my son to that school because, you know, we lived in San Jose, regular home, middle class. This is like just a whole different playing field. And I didn't want my kid to feel like he was less. But all these teachers at my school said, how come you're not bringing your kid? How come you're not bringing your kid? This is such an amazing school. So New York private schools spent about 18 to 20,000 a kid. Most public schools spent about 10 to 11,000 a kid. This district was spending about 24 to 28,000 on a kid. So it's like state of art facility, class ratio is one teacher to 11 kids, they're para educator. It's a whole different, right? And so they have a school auction and the auction raises $2 million in one day. And this auction that you go to is better than going to the like the richest uh, 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 wedding. I mean, it is just to a whole different level, right? And there's an article about it, about this school auction. So well, there was a reporter trying to get in and he couldn't get in because it was, it was that exclusive. And as a principal, I get to go to these things for free, right? Right. And I made the decision to send my son because I was like, you know what? He needs to learn that there are people like this and, and go. And so he went to the school, made ton of friends. And they started coming to my house and these kids would say, gosh, I love your home. And these kids live in like $20 million homes with a movie theater, with the home gym, all of that. And my house is just the 1700 square foot, 
four bedroom, two bath, little house. And they said, one, because you can find everybody. And two, he said, you get to spend a lot of time with your parents. And I noticed that the kids my son was friends with from our area, when they leave our house, they pack their own stuff and leave. They also never ask me to buy them anything. So when I go to the restaurant or something and I'm like, okay, guys, I'm going to get dinner. These kids only eat what I offer. The wealthy kids come and a tornado went through my house. Their socks and shoes and everything because they expect me to pick it up. And there's a lot of like, I want you to give me water. I want you to give me ice cream. I, like they're constantly asking for things because they're used to that at home. And the other thing was when I take them to a restaurant, they're like appetizer, entree, side dish, dessert, and a drink. And they didn't feel bad about it because that's what they get all the time. And oh. I actually told my husband, I said, it's actually a really good thing that we don't have the money to have a personal <laughs> nanny because our son, even now, you know, he has to come and say, mom, I have school at this time. Mom, on this day, I have to wear this. He has to do all that, you know? And I think that is a very important skill. So I do think it's important to teach your kids to unload the dishes, you know, have them have a job, um, have them clean their own stuff. And I think those are very important people skills. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in an area where it was kids that were not quite that level, but a lot of them, they yeah, never had to do anything. Parents would have someone, you know, they never had to clean anything up, could get, you know, whatever. My parents made sure that that was not the case for us, made sure that, you know, we we had jobs when, you know, I had a job when I was 10 years old and, you know, made sure that I was, you know, doing what. I don't know, because yeah, if I if I ended up acting like that, you know, because they see the other kids doing like you were saying, and just yeah. seeing how it's happening is like no way are you going to act like that. Like there would be no way my parents would have allowed any of us to right. act that way. And it's it's hard you when you're yeah. yeah when you're a kid and you see it and you're like, well, why can't I act that way? And then it, you know, but then being like older, it's like okay, I'm really glad that my parents, you know made me not act like that um you know just seeing like well there's the other kids are doing it what you know just just what other kids do and i'm glad my parents were just always saying no no that's not yeah this is this is an anomaly here this is this is not really how it is in the rest of the world or the you know area or anything and it was it's important to yeah have i guess respect Respect yeah. sounds like a fair thing all around to make things work well for an, you know, well oil machine respect's pretty important. And learn how to survive on your own, because I think the most important thing I need to teach my son is, you know, one day I'm not going to be here and he has right. to, you know, navigate this world and also hopefully, you know, find a partner and, and have a family and, and he has to teach them. And I think it's so important for me to make sure that he knows how to do those things, you know, and I'm yeah. very open with him. And the other thing is because I'm an immigrant, you know, when I first came to the U.S., I learned English faster than my parents. So I became kind of the parent because they couldn't understand what was happening. So I was negotiating cars. I was negotiating rent. I was the one that was translating. And I worked really hard. So I skipped two grades. So I skipped eighth grade and 11th grade. 
Um, and it was not because I was smarter than other people, but it was like, I was so determined. I'm like, I have to make it. Like, I have to make it in the United States. I have to help my parents. You know, I have to, you know, do things on my own. And even in marriage, I always tell my husband, I want to be a partner. I want to make my own money. I want to make decisions with you. I don't ever want to depend on you. I don't ever want to stay in a relationship because, you know, I can't be on my own. And I think it's so important to role model that for my son too. And my husband's actually from Romania and my father-in-law is very traditional. In Romania, the women have to work and clean and cook and take care of the kids. So it kills him when I'm at home and I'm marinating the meat and my husband's grilling and I'm setting the table and my husband's helping because he wants my husband to sit and have me do everything. And, and I'm oh. like, no, 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 because we're partners. I am not somebody who has my husband paying for my things. And I also want a role model to my son that you are going to be a partner with your wife too. You're going to both help with the kids. You're both going to help around the house. And, and I think it's so important to show them. But Rusty, it, I do have to go because I have to take Perfect. my son to school. Okay. Thank you so yes. much for having me. You're such a great listener. I enjoy talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, it was great being able to talk with you and meet you. And yeah, made it easy. I didn't have to do much. So uh, yeah, made my job nice and easy. And so yeah, I hope uh, you have a rest. A rest. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And yeah, get to uh, hopefully it'll clear up there and you can get outside again. Uh, yeah, or something. But yeah, thank yes. you so much. Thank I'll... you. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. All right, that's Dr. Lauren Petria. So, hey, you guys, um, get a hold of her. I'll put all the links, everything for her in the show notes. And you can check it out if you're listening. Or if you're listening, you can go watch it on YouTube or Rumble. Or if you're watching this on Rumble and you want to listen to it too, I don't know, you can do that. You, guys, you can check anywhere you're on to listen to stuff. Wherever it is, it's going to be there. You're going to be able to find the show, Public Access Podcast, on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network. And that is the show, man. Boom! It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Ernest! 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 <coughs> yes, Pee-wee. You brought the snacks, right? <laughs>